no matter how you know how established from a um, from a mindset as well as from an intelligence standpoint it's going to be challenging and kind of face it with a big heart and say that i'm going to conquer every challenge that comes my way that's a big deal hey guys welcome back to keep it at 99 and today we're here with a very special guest um, Ms. Marianne Maximos, thank you for taking time out of your day to come on the podcast. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, episode five of the Coptic Life Series. Um, so today we're going to be talking about um, what it's like immigrating to America mm-hmm. um, at a younger age, you know, in mm-hmm. high school, mm-hmm. um, because you did that. So my first question for you is, you know, what did you find to be the hardest challenge of moving from Egypt to America? Sure. Um, so aside from the language, because I actually I went to French schools growing up uh, in Egypt, so I had not learned English or maybe I have learned very little English before I moved here. So I couldn't speak. Right. Don't know much communicating with people. Right. It was a bit of a challenge. Right. There's a lack of confidence. You're worried that you say something and people are going to look at you and laugh. So there's that fear. I would say that that's one of the biggest challenges. And then the other thing is to conform to the culture. Right. You're coming in from a different cultural you know, perspective and standpoint. I think Egypt is, in general, even till the day, is still more of a closed society. And you're coming into a society that's a bit far more open. And <laughs> probably 20-something years ago is was probably closer than it is today. But to us, it was. Um, so I would say overcoming these hurdles of how to balance between what you've um, been raised into versus what you're coming into and making sure that you don't uh, lose your, you know, what you've learned growing up from a value perspective, but yet learn what's good from the new culture and bring it into your life. And then also, you know, making sure that your parents align with that. Because you do still live with your parents. (laughs) You don't just come in here and then live somewhere else. Yeah, and I think kind of what you said about um, taking the culture, um, like not like, you know, keeping your values and your morals, but then conforming to the culture is something that is very difficult. And I think even second generation, third generation, you Mm -hmm. know, we also struggle with that. Yes. Um, You know, kind of taking what we believe to be true and what we believe to be right and applying that to the world that we live in Mm -hmm. with this completely diverse and different culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you kind of navigate uh, kind of taking what you believe in and mixing that with, you know, the world that you live in? Sure. Um, so I'll give credit to two places that I think uh, embraced me um, during, you know, this transitional time. Uh, first, of course, my parents and our house, right? We are close together as a family. So that is very important. And, um, you know, having this kind of uh, feeling the security of mom and dad around and my brother, that was very important to me. And the second would be the church. I think I, um, you know, quickly um, became involved in the church, just attending Sunday school and then starting to serve at a younger age. Um, And then, you know, being involved in like tasbiha, hymns, classes, and making sure that at least no matter um, how busy I was every week for, with school that at least made time to meet, to come to church on Saturday night as well as on Sunday. Um, so those things I would say had been my support um, during those transitional periods of time. I would say the first two to three years. And um, that kind of, 
you know, put down the foundation for how I was able to navigate my life for the next 22 years. <laughs> yeah, and I think, as you're saying, like that involvement in church is very relevant, like even with people who are, you know, yeah. not immigrated, people who grew up. Um, and nowadays we're seeing kind of that involvement decrease among the youth. Mm -hmm. And it's something that as a Coptic church we need to figure out a solution for because yes. having youth in the church is vital on mm -hmm. many levels. So mm -hmm. what is kind of like your advice to youth that, you know, maybe have friends or have people around them that kind of, yeah. you know, don't really see churches like for them? Yeah. So so maybe it's a bit different that now versus it used to be 20-something years ago. So I cannot, you know, my advice might not be totally applicable because I think the churches today, thank God, and, you know, God bless, are far more crowded than, for instance, when we immigrated to the U.S. When maybe immigrated to the U.S., there was only like 100 families. You still are the newcomer, the newbie, you know, or the new kid in the block to say, and it takes time for people to build friendships. So, you know, it, it's, it didn't happen overnight. Right, for people to embrace you. It takes even people that are established there, they like to make sure that um, they get to know you well first before they welcome you and they become your friends. So there's always going to be that. I don't think you're going to eliminate that. Uh, what I would say is, I, you know, the church just needs to um, embrace anyone who comes in and just find how to connect with them and find the right people that will be able to connect with them. I would say within maybe six months to a year, I started having friends and maybe one or two that stayed through college, you know, when I was there, those are the ones that were also, I would say, my support system. So for the church and for the people that are in the church, be open-minded, be welcoming to other people. I think we all tend with our busy lives to um, go back to our own, you know, little homes and or, or our lives and forget that there are other people coming in, you know, from other, whether from Egypt or from even other places, and they perhaps are needing this welcome and someone to say hello to them and make them feel that, you know, they are um, part of the new family or part of the, of the church. Yeah, and I think the church now is moving in a direction to um, <coughs> people who are, like, not Orthodox, not Coptic at all, kind of welcoming them. And I think a lot of times we forget that there's, we still have to welcome each other. Correct. You know, and I think now it's very hard to, you know, keep both, like maintain both. Yes. Um, but it's something that's vital and that needs to be done. Sure. So coming from Egypt, obviously being a Coptic Egyptian in Egypt is, mm -hmm. especially like years ago, is not really the easiest thing to, mm -hmm. to grow up in. Um, so what were kind of like your experiences? And if, if you don't mind talking about anything sure. you struggled with, um, just like, you know, what was that like kind of growing up in that environment? Sure. In, in Egypt, right? Yes. Um, I will not complain because I think I, I grew up, um, aside from living kind of in our own little bubble, it, you know, it actually, you'll find it amazing that people live here in bubble and people in Egypt also live in bubble. Our own little bubble was the school that I went to, which was, you know, a Catholic school. Everybody was probably from the same Families, same mindset to, to an extent. Um, the church I went to, a lot of it, people that I related to and I knew from my school. So it was, again, a very much bubble. So I would say that I, I grew up to be so comfortable in my own skin 
and the people that I deal with, because who I deal with are people that I see at school, I see at church, and then my family and my extended family. And then, yeah, you get to interact with your neighbor every once in a while, but it's not that much. So I, I would say I, you know, I live this nice little sheltered, you know, life. I would say, coming up and 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 growing up. What helped me, you know, I would say, kind of adapt, and and um, again grow as a person, I would say back it's a church and the church that I went to. I'm not saying that every church in Egypt is that way. I went to a, a little church. It was, again, very small, you know, church in, the, in downtown Cairo. It used to be called St. Mary, downtown Cairo. And now it's called St. Mary and St. Paul. No, St. John, sorry, the Baptist, I forgot. <laughs> and um, it was, you know, the, the servants were wonderful. I actually still stay in touch with my servants from Sunday school. Um, and you will laugh, but I do remember there were times where I would be the only person sitting in Sunday school. And all my friends who were, at the time we were middle, you know, middle school, kind of going into high school, and they were my friends from, from school as well. They wouldn't come. So this whole thing about, you know, kids not wanting to attend Sunday school, it's been there for a really long time ago. This is not a new thing today. So what I'm trying to say from that is people who want to come to church, are always going to be, it's it's your own interest, right? No one is going to force you. There are going to be people, there are going to be the servants that come in and try to invite you and try to bring you over. And they're doing their job, right? Because they have that guilt feeling inside of them saying, oh, if I don't do that, that's like, you know, I'm, I'm not doing my part in front of, of the Lord. Um, but at the end of the day, it's your own interest to wanting. Because if you don't want to go, you know, no matter how many people are going to invite you, even when you go, you're just your mind is going to be elsewhere. So I don't want to say that I'm different than others and it's me, but that was me. There are a lot of my friends that maybe didn't have that interest, and that's their own interest. That's just how what they cho you know their own choice. Um, it's not you know I'm, I wouldn't say Marianne is better than you know Miranda. <laughs> you know Marianne had her own choice of life, and Miranda had her own choice of life. Yeah, and I think as well, like, it, that's very applicable now. It's like, you know, it's people who want to go will go. People who don't want to go, there's, no, like, there's nothing you can do to force them to go. You're not yeah. going to drag and them. And we shouldn't judge, mm -hmm. right? Because there are ones that are saved, to, you know, at the end. And not everyone who does, you know, go to church and say, Lord, Lord, is the one who gets saved, right? you got to have, it's back to your heart. So I know that we get so much focused on everyone coming to church, and it's very important. I'm not saying that you, sh you know, <laughs> we should go away, but I think what's important is it's our choice. It's we want to do it because it's for our own uh, willingness to, you know, get closer to the Lord, to serve, to help other people, and to have that sense of community. And I also think within church, there's like almost obviously there's a lot of levels of spirituality and. Like there's different, I, w I wouldn't want to say tasks, but there's different things that people do based on what level of spirituality they're more, most comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times it's hard for you to look at the next level, look at where you want to be spiritually and make that choice to kind of take that next step and kind of go, in, especially at, you know, at someone like who's my age, kind of going into college, like there's a lot of changes in life. And one of those things is you, you kind of, realize like in perspective like what you are in perspective to everything around you and you kind of really put thing put it like as together as like a puzzle so how would you you know kind of 
make that next step? Like, what would you kind of tell someone who's kind of struggling to take that next step in the spiritual life? Sure. Um, first advice, time management. You're going to have to sit down and allocate time for everything. Otherwise, you're just going to live your life as spontaneous as it would be. Okay. Um, I think I mentioned it earlier, even though I was super busy at school and you're going to see that for yourself. It's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy and there's going to be a lot of work. But you're going to have to say, well, I've got this time on Sunday morning. I've got to go to liturgy. I, if I, you have to serve afterwards for Sunday school or attend Sunday school. I've got to allocate that time. And you just book that. That's almost like as, as you've got classes that you have to go attend. No option. And I think you, you know, you and um, or anyone else who's, who's listening, you got to make sure that at bare minimum, the only time you miss it is if you're extremely sick or something is coming up, like you've got a, a design project that is due and you've been working on it and something you discover something last minute and you have to get it done because that's the only time before you submit. But keep it to worst case scenario when you have to miss. And I think you will feel the difference how that um, contributes to your um, persistence. And also it's almost like, you know, if, if you have a, a lamp, right? You need to keep the oil running for that little light to stay on. If, so church is the same way. That's what kind of feeds us that, that oil to keep the light. If we don't do it, and if you miss one, then because I'm busy, and then you come the next Sunday, oh, I can't attend it because I'm busy. And then you keep on going into the habit that you're not attending anymore, guess what? That has become something that you're not used to. And you're very much aware, you hear it everywhere on, like, you know, on, on just regular social media or other, um, you know, platforms that a habit is well formed in, within 21 days. You can actually build a habit in 21 days and stick to it, or you can destroy a habit in 21 days and let go of it. So your persistence and you pushing yourself to attend the liturgy, to get the blessings, to, to listen in to the word, that will keep you going. I agree, and I think as well, um, when it comes to like continuing in the faith and pushing yourself, there's... I see it as there's no there's no plateauing. There's no just thing as being constant in faith. It's either always going up or going down. And it's it's I feel like it's important to realize because there are times where it will go down. Inevitably there are times yes. where yes. you will feel like, you know, things aren't going right spiritually and in general in the world and in life. So I think it's always important to kind of realize there's an up and there's a down. But yes. over time we should always be looking for the average. Uh, yeah, we should always really to, <laughs> yes. you know, put more effort and continue right. to push, push, and like yes. more and more for God and uh, and for Christ. So, yeah. how do you kind of balance that? You know, moving to America, um, going to college in America. How do you kind of balance that? You know, pushing spiritually, whereas you know you got a lot of school stuff as well. Sure. So first thing is know that. Um, your help and support comes from God, okay? <clears throat> so, which says that, you know, maintaining humility. Because it's really important, the minute that you feel that you got pride in your heart and it's all about you, and, you know, I'm, I'm doing really well, and even I'm balancing well between church and school and all my other extracurricular, and it's all because I am very much, you know, a strong person, I'm super smart, I think that's when very quickly, you know, that this is uh, like, you know, the, almost uh, 
the first step to a pitfall or, or you know, or you unfortunately start kind of slacking off. So I think keeping humility and, and knowing that the Lord is always going to be um, the source of your success. Um, and even sometimes if he allows you to fail at times or even dip down, whether in spiritual life or in, or in school life, there is a reason because you're going to learn out of it. Um, the second thing I would say, um, you know, perseverance and positivity is very important. So even if, okay, let's go back to the example that I mentioned, right? You missed Sunday for one, for one Sunday because unfortunately situation were outside of your hand. Then you missed another one. And then you're like, okay, well, you know, I just missed two. Might as well miss the third one. So you gotta have to have that positivity and you have to say, no, you know what, that's fine. I, some circumstances that was outside of my control, I'm gonna move on and, and uh, get back up to um, you know, what I'm doing. And then perseverance, right? So just knowing that life is gonna be hard, <laughs> no matter how well you are, or no matter how, you know, how established from a, um, from a mindset as well as from an intelligence standpoint, it's gonna be challenging and kind of face it with a big heart and say that I'm going to conquer every challenge that comes my way, that's a big deal. And I think, like, when it comes to those <coughs> challenges, um, a lot of them are very internal. You know, a lot of times, as, as being, just being Christian in general in the world we live in, we always think that people will look at us negatively, especially the direction the mm -hmm. world's going in, because of our faith and because of what we believe. <laughs> But, I mean, from my own personal experience of having this podcast and talking about it all the time, mm -hmm. is that that's not really true. People respect it. Yeah. And people respect the fact that you're upfront about it. And I think exactly. that's, you know, one of the most important things we can do is be honest about who we are and what we believe in. There's nothing for us to be ashamed of. Um, being, um, you know, proud of our faith and, uh, <coughs> sorry, and persevering our face, that's that's who we are. That's part of our DNA. Hey guys, before we get continued with the video, just wanted to put a quick word. Um, as part of this Coptic Life series, we've partnered up with an organization called Open Arms for Africa, and it's a nonprofit and it does a lot of cool things. Go check out their website. Um, so make sure to check that out. Uh, be link in the description and enjoy the rest of the episode. So. Um so I think, you know, we shouldn't be ashamed of who we are. I know we are different sometimes even like, you know, I mean, even within our faith and other denomination within our, you know, Christian faith, we tend to be the one that spend the most time during Holy Week at church than anybody else. But you know what? I'm actually very proud when I, when I say that, yeah, you know, we're going to church. This is like one of the most uh, important, uh, you know, weeks of our, our year. And um, I've, you know, dedicated since I was a younger person that I take those two days off and I have to go, um, you know, attend to the traditions that we grew up in and people respect that. Yeah, and I think when it comes specifically to the Coptic church is that, you know, there are so many things that we do that are so ancient and are so set yeah. in stone. And if we move away from those things... It's, it's almost like we lose part of ourselves. Um, I think as an individual, mm -hmm. if I, you know, stop going to church a little bit, or if I have things come up, if I'm traveling and I'm not really going to church as much, I almost feel like I'm missing something. Yes, exactly. Um, like recently I was, uh, over spring break, I was in England for a school trip. Mm -hmm. 
and this is like the week before Holy Week. Mm -hmm. So it's there's like a lot of like emotion and a lot of spirituality that goes with those 50 days of fasting. Mm -hmm. And to go the last week without going to church at all, it, you really realize like how much God does play a role in your life if you let him play a role in your life. Mm -hmm. And I think that as Coptic Orthodox Christians, we always, you know, especially living in America and the culture we are, it's always it's like an I culture. It's a me culture. Yeah. Um, oh, believe me, it's everywhere now. It's not just the U.S. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it, it's sad because that's not what life is. Mm -hmm. You know, life is all about community, but all about family. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how God created us. He created man and woman to be, you know, a family mm -hmm. and to create and to, you know, live a life together with, with him in the middle. So not having God in the middle of your life, I feel like kind of leads to a lot of those problems and leads to a lot of those yeah. feelings of despair, depression, and yeah. all the things that we see in the world today. So how would you kind of explain to younger people the importance of God in your life? It's hard to explain <laughs> because you have to feel it, right? And one person's experience does not mean it's somebody else. It's somebody else is going to go through the same thing. Um, all what I can say is the feeling of having the Lord in your life is a different feeling. You just feel this, that anytime you're upset, there is someone um, who's, you know, feeling you and who's kind of like uh, comforting you and who goes through what you go through. Um, yeah, you've got your family, and uh, please, I'm not discounting that, you know, my husband, my children, or my parents would also feel the same way. But I think um, in my heart sometimes, you know, there are situations, even no matter how I explain it to them, whether it's a challenge that I'm facing at work or another situation in life, um, no one will feel you as much as the Lord does. So it's almost like he's, and I don't want to call it my soulmate, but he is the one that, knows who I am too, right? People sometimes can think that you're talking a certain way or, you know, this is just all superficiality and who you are from the outside to just impress. But um, the Lord knows who you truly are, you know, whether you're putting in a mask on or not a mask on. And someone to know you as much as how our Lord knows us, that's, you know, to me that is, that's more than a friend, more than a spouse, more than a parent. So again, I, I don't know how to explain it because it's something that I feel in my heart and I hope that it stays this way all the way until my last breath uh, because, you know, this is whom I also want to live for until, you know, I, I leave this world. I, I agree and I think that a lot of times we're, all, we're always in the cycle of, um, you know, not, not really... Sometimes we get stuck in this cycle where we don't really feel God and we kind of just go through the motions. Yes. Um, especially, I can say personally, I've definitely felt this, where it's just like, I show up to church, you pray, you read the Bible, but there's nothing, there's nothing that you really feel being with God. And I think you, like, you almost have to let that happen. You do. So you have to, there are going to be times when you don't feel it, but what you do is you... Make sure that you stay, I mean, you know, if you have your own prayer time every day or your quiet time every day, that you continue to do that. Because that's when you have those very strong moments that you feel. And, um, you know, 
even when you're, if you're tired or you can't even open your eyes, but you have this you know, five minutes of just letting you, you know, close your eyes and just thinking about the Lord, contemplating on a verse or, or something that you've read. That, that's a moment of kind of silence and connecting with the Lord. So even sometimes if you don't feel it and life is just making you super busy, try to force even five minutes to feel that way. And that consistency will build, you know, yes. that connection with God. Oh, yeah. I, I can tell you the days that I don't have my quick, you know, whatever, 20 or 30 minutes in the morning before I leave to go to work. Um, usually I, I know myself. I'm kind of like irritated the whole day. And it's almost that 20 to 30 minutes give me some calmness and get me prepared for what I will see that day, <laughs> you know, in the world. What challenges I will face, what troubles I will see from people or, or you know, um, problems I run into. So having that, it's almost like, you know, working out, right? <laughs> to kind of condition your muscle before running a marathon, you, you know, you train. You can't just go in, you know, cold run and say that I'm going to run it, right? So that that's the same way. To get yourself to feel that way, you have to train yourself to give some time every day to the Lord. In the world we live in today, they call it meditation, FYI. <laughs> because, you know, we that, that's how it's being called, but it's true, you connecting with the Lord. And the church, like, teaches that through the liturgical cycle. Like, mm -hmm. we prepare for liturgy with matins, with praises, with vespers. Like, we have a, we have a preparation for the preparation. Mm -hmm. You know, we prepare for Holy Week with 50 days of fasting. We prepare. Yeah. So it's always, you know, like, keeping your mind on what's the end you know always like having sure. the end in mind yes you know always having christ you know that judgment day in your in your mind and thinking about it and that i feel will kind of guide you into the right path and guide you in the right direction mm -hmm. um it's very important to always have that reminder before us and by consistently praying consistently reading the bible yeah. there's there's no way you're going to miss that message and i think a lot of times like especially for me it's you want to wake up one morning, pray, and, like, it'll be over. You know, you just want to, yeah. you just want solutions like that. But yeah. that's not how God works. I mean, yeah. God waited from Adam until Christ that entire time mm -hmm. just just for that. So, like, if God does it that way, then we can't, Yeah. you know. But don't, dis don't be discouraged, too, sometimes when you're having that 20 or 30 minutes in the morning, very quickly you're just feeling like you're doing what's due to be done. Because that's good. You didn't miss it, right? You got it done. And you maybe it wasn't as uh, spiritual as you would like it to be, but at least you made the effort and you forced yourself to do it. And the church also teaches that, I think, um, when it comes to communion, because a lot of times people feel like they're unworthy of going to take communion. Correct. And we obviously we have confession. We have all these things that make you prepare for communion. But Correct. The, you can ask any church father, they will never tell you to not take communion because you feel unworthy. Yeah, I mean, we're all going to be unworthy. Exactly. Right? But, uh, we pray but countless times. But it's also a trick from, from the evil one just to make you get further and further away. Yeah, and so I think, you know, in, in order to really experience God, it comes down to, in my opinion, two things, humility and consistency. Yeah. Um, because if you're not humble and you put yourself above God, then... I mean, it doesn't make sense. It's true. And then if you can't, we have relationships on earth and you're consistent with those relationships. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to have a friendship with someone, you have to talk to them, you know, every so often or every mm -hmm. day, depending on 
how deep your connection is with them. Exactly. And so, if you don't talk to them, that's it, right? Exactly. The relationship goes cold. Exactly. So yeah. the only way you can connect with God is if you talk to him every week. Um, in the last podcast, uh, the guest said, like, you know, because I'm, I'm going to college and I won't be living at home. It's like, what would your mom rather if you called her every single day or mm. if you went home every single Sunday with, like, flowers and whatever? It's like she would rather you call her yeah. every single day <clears throat> and do a big thing one time a week and then disappear again. Correct. Um, I agree. And so That's God a good is one. the I same like, way. I like, I like that analogy. Very yeah. strong. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so for the ones starting college, make sure you, at least if you don't want to talk to your mom every day, just text her that you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh thank you very much for taking time out of your day you're welcome Isaac. um really appreciate it and thank you guys for watching make sure to like comment subscribe turn on post notifications and see you guys next week thank you thank you